0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. How long have you had this psychic ability since you were born?
1: Definitely. I feel that I came from a family of intuitive uh, women, men. Uh, My grandmother uh, was definitely an intuitive, my aunt, my mom. Um, My grandmother was actually married to a Navy man, and uh, my mom was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts. Uh And during the... And during the time they stayed there, um, when she, you know, when she was a little girl, the family uh, saw ghosts all the time. my mom and her siblings actually played with an Indian uh, little girl that always would appear um, out of nowhere. They knew it was a ghost, I, I guess. At some point they figured it out. But she would appear barefoot, um, sometimes even in the snow. And my grandmother would say, you know, why? (laughs) why don't you have any shoes on? And I guess eventually they figured out that she was truly a ghost and not a real person. But I've heard stories about the interactions of my family with the spirit world all my life.
0: You wrote an interesting children's book called Sam and the Boogeyman. Interesting title for a kid's book. Tell me about that.
1: Uh, my children, unfortunately, are also gifted with this ability that seems to run in the family and the heredity. Uh, my two sons. Uh, I was working on some cold cases at the time, and my son was telling me, "Mom, there's some someone shaking my bed." You know, he was around two years old or so at the time, and um, we were having so many you know, issues with him with bad dreams. And then when we went to visit Morocco, um, my son also saw uh, what we would call a jinn in, in Arabic, um, and it was actually someone who had died when uh, my husband's family built the house. Um, so my son was able to see that. When we came back to the U.S., um, to the house, he kept seeing all these different spirits in the home. And so we created this book. I let them pick out the names. I let them uh, choose the illustrations. And it was their way, uh, basically, to deal with what was going on. And I wanted to definitely empower them and make them feel like this was their guardian angel, not the boogeyman. So the story is basically uh, a tribute to my children um, and other children, and it teaches you how to make a boogeyman spray, because I, I sometimes feel that parents, when they have these situations with their children, um, they feel the negative instead of turning the negative to a positive, because it's not always an evil It can sometimes just be a grandmother that's checking on them or a loved one that just wants to see them and make sure that they're okay. So I always tell people, don't say the boogeyman. Let's say guardian angel. It sounds so much better.
0: When you were in Morocco, were you in Marrakesh?
1: I did go there. I went as many places as I could. I went there. I went to Fez. Um, My husband's family is from Mohammedia. So uh, I was shopping every place I could.
0: Well, it's an interesting spot, and it's a a gorgeous area out there.
1: It is very beautiful. Um, I loved walking the streets of Morocco looking for haunted places. Um, My family didn't realize that at the time that I was actually finding the ghost houses (laughs) and trying to uh, discover what spirits were there, but uh, they later found that out, and they were tickled by it.
0: Erica, did you find the people to be very friendly?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Moroccans are very, you know, I I think that's just true of of the area, but they're very friendly. They were definitely, um, sometimes I didn't even speak the language, and intuitively I knew what I needed to say. It was just a crazy thing, but almost definitely if you've not had an opportunity to visit Morocco, I would definitely encourage you to do it.
0: Your mother used to dabble with the Ouija board, didn't she?
1: Oh, gosh, there are so many family stories about my mom and the Ouija board. Um, Growing up, my mom was kind of like that artist hippie a uh, black girl that, you know, uh, <laughs> that dabbled in all kind of things. Um, and we would have, uh, you know, little Ouija board sessions. I remember growing up, my mom would talk to different spirits. One of them was David, I remember. Um, and it used to scare the crap out of me. Um, but then, you know, I guess I didn't realize how cool she was at the time, now that I'm doing this type of stuff for a living.
0: She predicted your her employer's death, didn't she?
1: Yes, yeah, so what happened was my mom at the time was going to school for dentistry, um, and she was working for a gentleman by the name of Dr. Spence, um, and he was kind of like a mentor to her, and she, her gift is a little different from mine. She has an uncanny ability to sense death before it happens, and so she was pleading with the, the, the doctor and his wife and the family, please take him to be seen. There's something going on. She was at work, began profusely crying. Um, He had a heart attack um, while she was there. Um, He literally basically died in her arms. And that was, I guess, so traumatic for her. She really wanted to turn her abilities off. Um, so that is one of her gifts. She's, she's also kind of kooky because she likes to do, like, uh, reborn dolls and mm-hmm. she does snakes, and she, she's a very intuitive, gifted artist. Um, I wish I would have got that ability, but unfortunately, I got the talk-to-dead-people thing, so I'm, I'm okay with that.
0: You were 10 when uh, the employer died, and something very strange happened. Did he come visit you after he passed on?
1: Yes, that night uh, when we had left the funeral, um, Dr. Spence actually sat on my bed, um, and he talked to me, just like, you know, we're having this conversation now, and he basically told me that, you know, um, everything was going to be okay. I had no idea. I mean, it was just one of those weird things, and we had a conversation about a lot of different topics, and I thought I had dreamed this the whole time until later on when This stuff would happen again. um, I realized that was not a dream. That was definitely a visit, and it began to happen more and more throughout my childhood. I would have déjà vu. I could see auras around people. I could hear um, inside my head, clear audience conversations of people when I was about to go to sleep. When I was walking around. There were just things that I knew as a child that I should not know, Um, and I didn't really understand it at the time, but that was basically the genetic component to this inheritance of psychic ability that I had.
0: Erica, what other abilities do you possess?
1: So I always say that I have all of the five senses, um, but the sixth sense to me is just all of those things supersized. So I taste... I hear, I see, I smell, and I feel. And one of the other things I like to say is that, you know, it's like a joke that I talk and see and hear and taste dead people. And because of my kidney transplant in 2019, I actually carry with me um, an organ from someone who is also deceased.
0: Oh, my God. Now, tell me about that kidney transplant. What happened to you?
1: So when I um, had uh, my first child or became pregnant in 2019, I was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease. Um, you know, and the 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 idea was that my kidney would continue, um, and then at some point it would fail, and I would have to have a transplant. So I secretly didn't tell anybody. You know, none of my clients knew, none of my friends knew. I went through this whole process of you know, waiting for the downfall of my kidney. I did uh, dialysis at home. Um, And then later, um, probably about two days before my birthday, uh, July 31st, 2019, my birthday being August 2nd, I got the best gift ever, the best birthday gift you could ever want. I actually got a transplant.
0: Oh, my God.
1: yeah, so so I am so blessed to have that 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 gift of love, and I always encourage people. You know, you just never know if you want to be a donor, be a donor, um, because you know you can you can impact and change people's lives with that donation.
0: At what point in your career did you kick it into high gear?
1: That, well, you know, I <laughs> I struggled with this. I had to. Uh, So many different signs. I know when I was in college, I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries, and I would see things, and it would scare me. You know, I grew up, you know, listening to The Devil Went Down to Georgia, and I was scared. I saw The Exorcist. I was scared. Um, All of these different movies that I would see on television made me feel that this ability was the devil. You know, I was going to get possessed, or it was some type of evil thing. And so it took moving into this haunted house um, that, that made me really understand that there was something going on. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, schizophrenia. There was something that I was destined or supposed to do, and it began, uh, I guess I kicked it into high gear when I moved into this haunted house, and I became tormented, literally, by spirits, because the house was next to power lines, and so when we, hmm. when we bought the house, I think it was just the perfect storm. Here I am with my abilities. We've got this non-flow of energy right next to my house. And these spirits are just basically a vortex coming through, uh, making me say, hey, get busy with this ability. You're, you're here to do something. So that's what it, it kicked into gear.
0: Are you, you sometimes get frightened of ghosts? Does that bother you?
1: I do, and I, I really attribute, attribute my fear, uh, my early fears, not necessarily right now, but, you know, growing up, I, I was born uh, in, in, you know, Pensacola, Florida. I'm in the South. We call it the Bible Belt here. So, you know, growing up, looking for portrayals of African-American uh, people with abilities were very scarce, you know. So my first experiences were like things like the Black Mamba, you know, the Serpent in the Rainbow, Angel Heart, even though I love that movie, The Skeleton Key also, but it was always such an evil, scary, voodoo, sorcery connotation.
0: And, and, And they made voodoo to look scary, and it's not a scary religion at all.
1: Definitely isn't, and and I think that that hindered, you know, a lot of people of color, um, not necessarily just African American, but people of color, because I also attribute that to a lot of my Native American friends that are now going back to their ancestral uh, roots. But it was such a taboo thing to connect with their ancestors at that time and to relearn their uh, spiritual connection to earth. Um, so I really think that that is important. And that was some of the fears for me initially. You know, I was majoring in psychology, so I didn't want to be labeled crazy. And then you have this connotation of this ability being evil. Um, and so it took a long time and a lot of prayer and a lot of soul-searching uh, for me to make that, you know, jump out of what I call the psychic closet full-time and you know, say I don't care what people think. This is this is something that I've got to do. It's a part of my plan.
0: How come so many people will go to bed, but they will not put their arms over the bed where it's dangling near the floor?
1: Well, I think again, you look at movies. You know, uh, <laughs> Hollywood did this to us. Yes, Poltergeist. Remember, who wants to get pulled under the bed by the clown? I mean, that traumatized me. As I well. hate clowns
0: too, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, and think about, you know, most people cover up with the covers. They don't dangle their toes out because they're afraid somebody's going to tickle their toes at night. So, yeah, there is, you know, I, I blame Hollywood in some ways uh, for some of our uh, unnatural fear because we're all born intuitive. Animals are so intuitive, dogs, cats. Um, all types of animals actually and so we are born with this ability it's just that we're taught unfortunately not to harness it and sometimes even that it's an evil thing
0: erica at what point did you get involved in trying to solve crimes and look for missing people
1: so in that home that i talked about this haunted house mm-hmm. the perfect storm Um, I started having these nightmares, uh, repetitive nightmares, over and over and over again. And I started having uh, visions of this particular girl by the name of Melissa Eck. Um, It was almost like she was traumatizing me or uh, torturing me (laughs) at some point. Uh, I went down to our local sheriff's department, God bless my soul, and I said, look, you know, I I might be crazy, I don't know what's going on, with me, But I feel like I'm supposed to help. And they took me serious because I, I guess I gave them enough information at the time that, you know, I couldn't have pulled out of the air. And so uh, I'll never forget, he started passing out my cards to some of the families of local cold cases and I would meet with them and I would help them. Um Joanne Otto is one that I know that I you know truly loved interacting and working with her mom she 's done a lot for the community um, and then I got a little bit more bolder. I went to the internet and I found a Company. Uh, There was a gentleman by the name of Kelly at the time. He had a Find Me um, organization, and he worked with psychics. Um, And so I volunteered to do that. I started my own forum, and I would take cases from all across the world, and they would usually send me something via mail, an item of clothing, a piece of jewelry, and I would Mm -hmm. use what we call psychometry. And I would hold it, um, make a taping of it, and send it back. Um, It was very impactful. I remember one time I was doing uh, this girl by the name of Tina Lynn Wilkerson, and I could not feel my whole body. And I was was so afraid this girl had possessed me, you know. Um, But uh, I think that, you know, there's always these things that happen, these synchronicities to kind of keep you guided. And all these things just kind of unfold. And moving in that house definitely was a catalyst to start my Um, decision to work for cold cases and missing people.
0: Did law enforcement approach you as well?
1: Yes. um, I was able to work with uh, some cases, especially over the Internet. And locally here in Pensacola, we did have a girl that went missing by the name of Samira Watkins, and I was able to assist with that case, too. Um, She was uh, actually—that case really traumatized me for at least three months. I did not read um, she was three months pregnant. Um, she was murdered, and I had met her prior in a gallery reading and told her that she was pregnant, and she did not even know she was. Oh my and the whole circumstances around the the reading was that she needed to stay away from the, from the then father of the child that I saw her being hurt, murdered specifically. Um, And the fact that I could not stop her death um, traumatized me for so—I mean, even to this day, I cry over it.
0: Was he convicted?
1: He was. He was, ironically, a military police officer. And he was married at the time, and this went viral all over the place. Um, They actually made a documentary about it as well. Um, But he went to work over at the Navy base and threw her body in a duffel bag military duffel bag at that, um, in the ocean, and she was found um, later. But, yeah, it was just a horrific case because, um, unfortunately, she was three months pregnant. So not only did she lose her life, but an unborn child was also lost, too. And, you know, the families are all devastated.
0: Erica, you are called the Oprah of the paranormal, aren't you?
1: I was called that for a long time, and I think I still am called that by some friends. And it was primarily because at that time uh, I wanted to be uh, the Oprah Winfrey of the paranormal. I wanted to um, network and make those connections, and I did for a long time. Uh, took a break and started raising my children, but I found that uh, the universe kind of, Said, "Hey, it's time to get back out there." So that's what I'm doing now.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.